Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. Welcome to the second Fight Like a Girl podcast. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be speaking to the wonderful Maya Holmes. Uh, she's a jiu-jitsu purple belt from Sheffield. Um, in the episode, we talk about a lot of different things, but I try to focus the attention on the subject of depression and anxiety. Um kind of within the remit of jiu-jitsu but also in general as well um again the mics have hurt my feelings during the recording so um i can only apologize again um i have invested in some new mics for the next episode which will hopefully sound a little better but until then i hope your ears have seat belts because they're in for a bumpy ride right okay so this is the what is it called? Fight like, Fight a, girl. like a girl. Okay, this I told is, you I should have introduced it. You should have. Hurrah! Hurrah! <laughs> is it more racist if I say it like that? Yeah, yeah, it's okay for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, yes, welcome to the second Fight Like a Girl podcast. Today I'm joined by my Holmes. <laughs> is Holmes not not home? It's just Holmes, like Sherlock. Excellent. I couldn't remember if there was an S on the end or not. <laughs> <laughs> I really panicked myself for a minute. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, depression and anxiety. And apparently social awkwardness. They go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, I've got a lot to worry about with my, my appearance and how I sound socially to people. It's all good. It's fine. Um, okay, so before we kick into everything, can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Oh no, the... that's way too vague and open-ended. <laughs> no, it's not. Don't it's do not. That to it's me. not. Just say, oh, hello, I'm Maya, and I, I, oh, I do jiu-jitsu and, oh. and, and other things. Okay, how about this? Tell people um, how long you've trained, how you got into jiu-jitsu, and some of your accomplishments. I want to know more about your accomplishments. Oh, I a lot of the answers to these questions that seem so straightforward and simple are going to be tied into very awkward things. Just a precursor. I'm just okay, don't talk into. Fine. Don't talk about how you got into. How I don't long have you mind. been doing it? Like, there's nothing that I want to censor. No, because we'll go into it later. It's okay. fine. So I've, I started um, around February 2015. So coming into just over three years. Three years. Um, yeah. Savagery. Yeah, so for the first six months or so, though, I was maybe there once, twice a week. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's, a, there's always a point with all of us, I think, where we completely fall in love with it and then become obsessed and... I don't know what you're talking about. Set up a sleep bag. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened maybe six months in. became completely obsessed. Um, and I've always done Thai boxing as well, and I, I gave that up for a few months. But then I went back into that, and then I was dividing my time half and half, really. So I've always kind of had my foot in and out. I wasn't completely... Is this why your guard's so strong? Because I remember trying to get past your legs at Cleos. Honestly, like, what did you have me tied up in? It wasn't... Was it Delaheva or Lasso? This last time. Yeah, the last, last time one. Before, a lot of Delaheva, I think. Yeah, because I remember trying to get past those legs and it was, like, literally trying to push, a, <laughs> like, a rock off my chest. <laughs> I was like, just get off. I think I forgot... Well... 
I was so nervous, I forgot everything else, and it was just like, that was the only thing I could remember. So I was like, I tell Eva, and keep her at a distance, and it was those two things, and that was, that was my whole game plan. They worked. <laughs> they worked really well. But um, I'd also been, I'd just prior to that fight been playing with like the baby bolo stuff and I totally fell in love with it and I kept trying to get that on you and I like half got it at one point and then you, you turtled up or something and I was like, for fuck's sake, yep. can't get the fucking back um, and just bailed out. So that was a bit annoying. That was very, very frustrating. I'm quite good at, <laughs> see my, like for me, um, where I have a lot of issues with my back, I can't um, work from side control or having yeah. someone on top of me. So if I feel like I'm going to side control, I roll into turtle yeah. and I can defend that a lot better. Yeah, that was, that was good. Frustrating. Annoying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it worked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when you said guard, I was confused. I was like, I don't even play close guard anymore. I just, just don't even bother because the guys at the gym, you know, like one of the smallest yeah. players, there's no fucking point. You're keeping your guard closed. When it's inevitable they're going to open it, it's burning your fucking legs out. So I just I just open it straight away every time now, so I can't remember the last time I played close guard. I think I've probably forgotten how. Um, I know how you feel. <laughs> I know how you feel. So, um, yeah, that's... that's um, that covers how long I've been doing it for. I guess. Mm. Got into it because... I've, I've always done martial arts. Started mm. Thai boxing like over ten years ago, but never taken that particularly seriously. So yeah, that ten years doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> but like the last, I'm gonna say like the last. Where are we now? It's nearly April, so it's not even twelve months. It's probably like sixteen or something. Like you, you competed a lot last year. I know that much, and the year before. Not so much last year, to be fair. Over this Actually, no, yeah, months. I am thinking about the year before. Yeah, over this tw- past 12 months, maybe only a handful of times. You did a lot of IBJJF stuff. No, I did. No? I only did the Euros. And then after that, I've probably maybe done probably less than five times this year compared to just yeah. every two weeks the year before. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did last year. <laughs> Total burnout. Oh, it gave me um, a massive eating disorder and... Um, physically as well it affected me quite my body was storing fat because um, mm. I was starving and binging a lot I'd had a genuine eating disorder it got to the point where I made myself sick once and that was the point where I was like I'm not running down this road that was a wake up call I was like yeah. alright I've done that once now and I'm never going to do that again and I need to sort myself out so I stopped the regular competing I moved up a weight mm. Um and it took about a solid year of hard work, getting myself mentally and physically back to a place where I'm, I've got a, a normal relationship with food and stuff getting out of my weight. Mm. Funnily enough, becoming unobsessed with my weight has, has got me back to like a normal, yeah. a normal um, stable weight. I'll just sit at the <clears> same <throat> weight without having to really worry about what I'm eating or what I'm doing. So that's why I competed a whole lot less than I used to. Uh-huh. I find it's been it's it's been a lot healthier mentally and physically. Um, so yeah, not that, not that much recently. because huh. I will say, I think I've told you this before. Like you were pretty much one of my inspirations to get better at jujitsu and take it a bit more seriously and compete a bit more. Um, you. 
don't understand why. <laughs> I've got no idea why. So, okay, the first Cleos I did, um, like that was my second competition and it was my first loss. So when I lost the fight, I was like, excellent. I have something to go back and like work on. Like yeah. That was the first time that happened to me. So that was really good. And then I kind of started stalking your Facebook going, how often does she train? Like, yeah, what has you, she done? And did all you really see that as a loss? It was one advantage. I, yeah. I, 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 I basically kept you in lockdown for half of the fight. <laughs> but it was still a loss. I should have understood, like... Admittedly, I've only really learnt lockdown in the past four weeks, <laughs> and even now I'm terrible at it. But like, I, I always feel, um, I, I le- like everyone else, I learn a lot more from my losses than I do from yeah, my definitely, wins. Yeah. And like, um, that fight, the triangle that you had me in was f- fucking tight, and um, it made me realized that I really didn't understand what I was doing in that position and like it kind of reinforced the fact to me that I used my weight far too much like Mm. in the wrong places yeah and I so for most of that year where I'd been training like I kept getting the same advice of well what every white belt should know is like weight placement is key as is knowing when to apply pressure and when not to so like I, I'm not a strength player and I don't want to force things out but like that was the first time I was properly tangled up yeah. in a real fight and I was like, like if anything it made me more pumped I was like I need to go back to the gym I need to learn how to not do these things and um, yeah. then like I saw a post you put on Facebook the end of last year where it was like this is what I accomplished in this year and like you had your medal spread out on the bin and stuff I was like yeah I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to aspire to this year. So it's kind of what I did. And then, like you, I burnt myself out. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm taking a break from competition. Yeah, that um, does tend to... Tend yeah, to it's good times. Like, at the same time, like, I got my blue belt in August. And now I'm, I'm more of the opinion that I need to take a break for me so yeah. that I can learn what I want to... where I want to focus at blue and where to put I think because like my game was really basic <laughs> white belt is like take down side control Americana take down side control yeah but Americana. it is isn't it everybody yeah. is here at white belt you're yeah. learning the basics that's what you do so like I got some really good fights last year in competition and it made me a better defensive fighter yeah and um but at the same time, I'm rubbish off my back. <laughs> so, like, I would always start strong and then be on top and then defend from there going forward. But, um, yeah, now at Blue, I get to figure out all of the other shit. Yeah. Stick myself in rubbish positions and try and sort my back out. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> I can't remember what, why we went on this tangent now. <laughs> I was, I was going to say I don't I don't regret what I did over no. that year because it was a massive learning curve. Yeah. And I think it, unless you experience something directly yourself, somebody telling you don't do this and don't do that, even if they're giving you the reasons why, it doesn't quite mm. sink in sometimes. But if yeah. you've actually do it under you've pressure, felt it, you've experienced it, then now I would never ever 
do what I was doing before because I know what it feels like and I know what it does to you and how bad mm. it is and all the other reasons. But I don't I don't regret it because it, no. I've got a lot out of it. Exactly. Um, you recently got your purple belt as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did that feel when that came about? Were you expecting it? Um, I don't think you're ever expecting no. expecting it. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I, I don't know if people think you know you get your belt and they expect you to have all these emo- emotions and things, and it's kind of it's kind of a it's not really it's like it's a big change, but it's not really a big change because yeah, your jiu-jitsu doesn't change. It's not like no because. Really, one day you're a blue belt, the day after you're a purple belt. Yes. Nothing's different. You don't suddenly become any better because of what you're tying around your waist. So really, and to me, over the past couple of years, the only thing that's been important to me is improving my technique. Mm. I I want to be constantly improving. I'm not chasing a black belt. You know, that's going to come unless you die before then or get, you know, horrifically mangled and you can't train anymore. That's going to come. You'll get there. But what's important to me is I, con- I constantly want to be seeing improvements mm. so getting a belt <clears throat> it's nice it's good it's like it's yeah it, it, it's good but and that's definitely the attitude to have about it yeah it's not what I've it's not what I value from jiu-jitsu yeah really see like I remember at the beginning of last year I was really hung up for some reason about being a white belt and I was like Especially after I'd had like five or six competitions, and like, I don't know, I was winning a lot, and I was like, I don't feel like I should be in this division if yeah. I'm having these results like on a yeah. consistent basis. But at the same time, it wasn't until I did those competitions that I was actually able to go, you know what? My belt doesn't actually matter because now I get to. Like, I just got to enjoy that position. So it's like, like you say, you're learning to learn and you're going through it and the belt doesn't really matter. But um, what am I trying to say? I've lost my point. Um, <laughs> but just about, I guess, what, yeah. what's important to you for your training, whether it's yeah. getting a belt and or... Like the belt, it became less important yeah. the more time went on. I was just like, it's it's cool. And yeah. like... I got my blue belt and like you say nothing changed yeah. apart from the fact that the white belts decided that I deserved all of their anger. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. So, so you yeah, get that's... you get that jump of um, people sticking a target on your back because that's they been... see that as a, a jumping level, but it's not really for you. That's been I've, that's been massively noticeable. So not <laughs> it, that wasn't so bad at blue, at blue I got just people just Know, joking around, re-slocking me a lot and, and laughing yeah. at me, so that was fine. <laughs> but this time around, right, so, and it's the white belts again, I guess it's a, there's a bigger difference between white and purple to white and blue because they absolutely try and murder you. And it's yeah. not, not, not everybody, but a couple of a couple of times I've actually feared for my life during yeah. roles recently. But like for some um, people it's a feather in the cap, oh, I tapped a, white, uh, a purple well, belt. Well, I think I it's more a... a purple belt female. I think that's what mm. it is for some guys. It's new. I'm talking about like new white belts. Yeah. Because um, anybody past 
like a year in and they yeah. they chill out the more experienced they understand but their ego has been knocked enough for them to not be like that anymore generally mm. it's generally the newer blue belt newer white belt guys I think it's to do with it being two belts ahead and a female and they just think oh I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna go all out. absolutely murder you I'm just like well great you know I'm still I'm still <laughs> a female I, yeah. I still I still weigh 20 kilos less than you do and I'm not stacked you know <laughs> So you trying to like trying to like tear my arm off or something? You know, I'm still physiologically, I'm still female. Like, what what about my waist? Is going to protect my arm if you rip rip out this socket? (laughs) So that's um, that's been interesting Mm. and not not that much fun recently. No, but most people most people are great. You know, ninety nine percent of people you just get that odd one every now and then, don't you? That yeah, reason thinks that's okay. Lots of fun stuff. So yeah, but I'd say so in general, nothing changes really. Just the odd, just the, the odd bad experience every now and then. Mm. Which you're gonna get all the time. Yeah, it doesn't you'll matter get, you'll what level you get. Yeah, but you're always yeah. gonna have new white belts, and people see yeah. that belt as a, a way for them to prove themselves. Yeah, it's like, which is stupid, <laughs> like as a concept anyway, because. Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm in, like, my gym and it's just, I'm sparring or training with my, the rest of my team, I don't play my competition game in the gym. Like, that's where I go to try new things or try to put myself out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, if you get a tap on me, that's fine. Like, if you want to count taps, that's, that's up to you. But for me, like, it was more about how I lost that position or how you were able to get something that, um, oh, how you, how you were able to progress that far past my game. Yeah. So yeah, like I just, uh, I was having this conversation about two days ago, actually with hmm. somebody, some people use, use the gym as a, as a competition grounds and, for their ego and it's like well if, you, if you're going around and you're, you're breaking your training partners you know that's yeah. not doing it's not doing you any favors because nobody's going to want to roll with you yeah i don't want to roll you have with nobody you left that's in one piece and what are you getting out of it you're not learning anything apart from mm. look how strong i am and look what i can force <laughs> onto people so you're not getting anything out of it i yeah. mean if you want to do like that go to a said, regular gym yeah it's to put yourself in bad positions figure your way out of them try mm. things that you want to you pick areas you want to improve on and, mm-hmm. and drill them and then see what works in like live training live training not competition <laughs> killing each other then we have like we have a comp class where we, we do like yeah. we, we spar properly but you know obviously always you always have your your teammates welfare in mind you're never going to yeah, do anything that's going to hurt them but you know you do go hard because it's, it's competition because training competition for both training. of you but yeah. at the same time we do always have that in mind that they're your training partners and you mm. need to be careful that you don't hurt them you don't hurt each other but like I don't know about you. Like, do you retain some of that when you go to competition as well? Oh God, yes. I, I've never been able to yank something on. No. Like I hear people say, "Oh yeah, just just pull it on." And you'll see people doing it, and I'm like, I, I, I can't. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't just like. You've probably if you've seen any of if you see I don't. Like, I've seen a lot of your fights. I've seen <laughs> submissions in fights, arm bars and stuff. I'll, oh my I, God. I pull them on gently. Yeah. I don't I don't just yank. I couldn't do. I'd feel like the biggest dick ever. Exactly. <laughs> like. I, so for me, this is, um, 
this is a big subject for me because I have a lot on the line, essentially. Like, a, a lot of the arguments to me not competing is that, oh, I'm just going to go in there and smash someone and, like, injuries will be through the roof because yeah, I'm just going to yeah. hurt people. I'm like, well, actually, no. If anything, you're going to be a lot safer competing against me because I always have to think, is this going to injure my opponent? Because all yeah. it takes is one person to come forward and say, she broke my arm and I'm never allowed to compete again because people will think it's unsafe. Yeah. So, like... Not that I ever would anyway. Like, even, like, if you watch any of my competition footage, like, like I said, I go for the Americana a lot. Like, it's more a case of I get the lock-in, make sure that the position's there, yeah. and then I just ease it up slowly. Yeah. And, like, people yeah. try to escape. They'll swing their hips around. They'll try and wrestle out of it and stuff. And it's like, it's there. It's coming on. I'm not going to yank it yeah. on because I value your safety yeah. over any competition. Like, a... <laughs> A piece of tin isn't gonna bring your arm back. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's not. It's not worth it. And, no. And as well, you put yourself. If as a normal human being, as somebody that's not a sociopath or a psychopath, you you have empathy, and you wouldn't want yeah. somebody to do that to you. That's that's how I see it. I I would hope that somebody that I'm fighting in it, whether it's a tournament or it's in the gym, mm. what what difference does it make? There's another human being there. Yeah. I would hope they wouldn't try and actually rip my arm out of its socket if if they could put it on um, in a way that gives me a chance to tap before that happens so I'd try and do the same thing yeah and it makes sense I mean I can understand it's not always possible that you're going to be in a position where you can do that you know mm. it might be you but, might be rolling in a way where you're getting a submission while mm. you're you know you're changing the position or something and it's happening fast and it goes on fast but yeah to the best of your ability you shouldn't try and yeah like, and hurt somebody to submit them. So for me, when I catch a submission, I try not to, like, change position too much. Like, especially, like, the step over Kimuras and stuff. Yeah. Because I always, like, I'm the clumsiest person <laughs> on the planet. Like, if I had you in the Kimura grip and I tried to step over your head, I would fall over and then I'd take everything <laughs> with me. Because um, <laughs> I am the worst person. So, um, like, that's what I mean when like yeah, I'm, yeah. I say I have to put the things on properly and then I apply them slowly um, but like I can I can kind of understand that mentality at black belt Euros, world championships worlds. and stuff totally yeah totally understand that but the Hereford Open yeah yeah uh, <laughs> like local competitions it's like, if you want to measure how good you are against other people of your size and height, or even, like, in the absolute, how good yeah. you are against people bigger than you, like, one, you should be thinking about your own safety, and two, no one should be going in there with the expectation to kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's too much, surely. Yeah, yeah. But, like... No, I can't say that. Yeah, it's it's level appropriate. It's yeah, like I understand if you're a, if you're a black belt and it's in your you're in the world championship final or something. It's it's totally different. I mean, you'll even see people that'll allow their own arms to get broken because they want to win that badly. It's 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 not exactly the same. Yeah, comparison as us competing locally, at, at like under, no under brown belt. Do you know like no. white, blue, purple? It's, it's so like 
it's not there's there's no there's no excuse you can't justify it i don't yeah. believe so who said it i was reading something recently where some i think it was joe rogan on his podcast where he said he believed that purple belt was the last belt that he believed that you get uh casual jujitsu fighters essentially and it's like I can kind of understand that, but like for jujitsu, time is the it's one of the key ingredients to your belt level essentially. So, like you can casually do jujitsu for fifteen years, you'll get your black belt. Um, but like, does he mean competing past? Yeah, I think so. So if you're competing a brown belt and purple. you carry on competing, then you're obviously taking it seriously. Yeah, but whereas it, you can still get purple belt competitors that do it recreationally. Yeah. Like, I can understand that way of thinking. And, like, to a certain to a certain degree, I, I would agree. But, like, there are, like, casual brown belts who will go into, like, high-level competitions just because they want to test themselves still. Yeah. And, like, yeah. especially if they're, like, on their fourth stripe and they want to just go, how do I compare to the rest of... Yeah. To the rest of the market, essentially. And, like, do I feel like I should be going up to black or whatever? Like, even though it's definitely not their decision to make, but it, it kind of gives them a measure as to where they lie yeah. in the hierarchy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, I don't... If you're doing it recreationally, you shouldn't be trying to kill people. Like, you want people to stay so that you yeah, can, yeah, you can hurt them longer over time yeah. rather than once yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah so i totally don't understand the people that do that at training <laughs> <laughs> that's what i don't understand it's like why why are you trying to break me like i'm gonna be useless to you if you break me <laughs> yeah and i really don't want to sit on the sideline for three months no, whilst that recover no i really don't want it like that's my biggest fear i i wouldn't want to be the reason why someone can't yeah. train yeah no I, and I wouldn't because I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me so I wouldn't want to do that to somebody else it's like uh, I was on are you trying to say that you're you're, you're a regular human being okay. and <laughs> an empathetic person non-psychopath what not a sociopath I promise I'm not just saying that to like this isn't the person I've known <laughs> why not are you saying lying? that to throw you off the scene, <laughs> I'm sure if I was a sociopath I wouldn't be saying this <laughs> so um yeah the, the reason i'm saying um the reason i'm talking about this is because it happened a couple of weeks ago i was mm. um i had to leave the mat and go into the toilet and have a little bit of a cry oh. <laughs> because um i really don't like feeling unsafe mm. during sparring um because because of various reasons of things that have happened before i uh, if i feel like somebody's like um, they're like pacing me when we're sparring that's fine if I can maintain some kind of control where I know I can keep myself safe yeah. but if I'm sparring and the guy is quite uncontrolled um, doesn't have that great technique is re- really really strong and I know that no matter what I do and mm. what techniques I know or use I can't fully defend myself that makes me very uncomfortable mm. I, because I, I feel unsafe because I know that there's nothing that I can do to prevent myself getting hurt if this this person chooses to hurt me. Yeah, and that's what that role was like. It was horrible. Um, so I came away from that pretty pretty shaken up and upset. Yeah. And I don't like I don't I don't 
I just don't like that aspect of it. I, I don't see why there's a need for that. You don't you don't need to make your training partners feel like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure you know people that do that probably grow out of it at some point. You know, and they get a bit more experience, but mm. I don't feel like it's necessary at all. Yeah. One of my big issues when I roll personally is people don't think I'm taking it seriously because I talk and laugh a lot whilst I'm rolling, and it can. It can get frustrating, like, if I have a position and I'm laughing in your ear because I'm that close to it. <laughs> or one of my favourite things to do is, like, I used to really like the head and arm choke. And when, my, when I was really close to their ear, I'd just sing to them <laughs> really softly. Uh, I've done that before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I can see how that would be a bit For me, <laughs> that... That just lightens the role for me yeah and like yeah. most people expect it from me where like we'll, we'll have a good we'll have a good role but at the same time you should be able to laugh throughout yeah that's that's how I see like a good training session if I've had like five decent roles with five different people and yeah. like it doesn't matter if someone's need me in the face or if um something's come on a bit strong I know that like there's no malicious in their intent yeah, yeah. and we've laughed all the way through it like that's that's a great session for me <laughs> so um yeah but I, I still don't think people appreciate whispering in their ears <laughs> it's always my advice from the sidelines as well. I'd make an awful coach because all I do is say whisper sweet nothings into their ear hole uh, that, do you know that kind of works a little bit um, I used that singing thing tactically once <laughs> I was um, I was rolling with one of our brown belts and he's like so he's really good and he's quite big as well and he was absolutely raping me and um, one of my favourite songs came on it was like that it was that um, Miss Fat Booty so I was like I was I knew every single word, so I was, like, <laughs> singing along in his ear the whole time. And he started to get really freaked out, and then he was, like, he was giggling, but then he was, like, getting really uncomfortable, and then he was, like, what are you doing? And I just carried on, and he couldn't concentrate. <laughs> and I, like, managed to escape a few positions like that, and he was, like, you're putting me off, you're putting me off, stop it. And I was just, like, singing in his ear the whole time. It was great. It was, like, the best role that I'd ever managed to have with him. <laughs> See, one of my favourite things about Cleos is they have music playing at the same time. Yeah. I was supposed to have yeah. that at Fight Like a Girl, but because I got so overwhelmed at the beginning of it, I forgot to get my speakers out of my car. <laughs> I didn't realise until I went to pack everything away at the end. I was like, oh, no, I brought my speakers. <laughs> but um, what happened? So in the um, the Cleos Nogi competition, I lost one of my fights to a girl called... Um, I'm going to get her name wrong now. I think it's Brini Tyrell. She sounds like she's out of... Oh, Bryony. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. sounds like she's out of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I saw that fight. Yeah. yeah. She savaged me. It was yeah. awful. I fought her in, um, in Absolute Cleos as well. She, she beat me. She's amazing. And, like, she took her top off at the end and she literally looks like Atlas. <laughs> like, oh, she's, she's yeah, she's shredded. Yeah. But, um, the thing is, she's tiny, but she's shredded. Yeah. But, like, after that fight, I was a lot more relaxed because, like... I don't know how you feel actually we'll go into this in a little, a little bit more in a bit yeah. but like my anxiety starts to build like the more fights I get into a competition so like especially yeah. in absolutes where you have like a stacked division yeah. it's like oh I'm three fights in I might get a medal out of this yeah it's like yeah I need to 
I need to stop worrying so much. But then, like, because I lost and I was fighting for, like, the third place medal, it's a, actually, it, it's probably one of my favourite um, competition fights is against a, a girl called Emma Percy. She's one of my favourite people. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. her so much. But I asked Dan if he would play um, Thunder in Your Heart. And he was like, all right. So we put it on. And like through that whole fight, I was just singing in her ear. <laughs> like, there's a thunder in your heart. And it was great. It was brilliant. I had so much fun. Oh, <laughs> but if it was IBJJF rules, I would have been disqualified, probably, because I wasn't really, taking... There's nothing in the rules about that, is there? Um, it could be considered as disrespectful to your opponent. Oh, right. Okay. So it's like their call. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I started tickling them as well. See, that, that would probably, thinking about it, that would probably put me off if mm. if I was fighting you and you were singing in my ear the whole... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. in a competition. <laughs> but, um, no, we had fun. She was laughing all the way through. I was laughing all the way through and we had a, we just had a really good solid role. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good competition now that I think about it. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> so, um... Like, we're 32 minutes in and we haven't actually talked about the, the subject material. <laughs> so let's get, let's get into that. Um, so we'll go back to the beginning. Tell, tell me. No. Tell me. No. Um, let's talk about how you got into jiu-jitsu, what made you want to start, and, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, well... It's not that interesting, I guess. Um, so, like most kids, I was chucked into karate. <laughs> got a couple belts in, did my katas, got bored as fuck, looked for something else. Um, something with a bit more contact to it. So, that, this is when I was young, I was mm. like nine, ten. Um, so, I've pretty much been in martial arts my whole life. It just took me a while to find one that I connected with, really. Yeah. I moved on from there to kickboxing and then Thai boxing. Because obviously kickboxing wasn't savage enough, so, you know, <laughs> let's find the most brutal version. So, Thai boxing, I loved it. I, I, I've not been for a while now. I've had a few months off because I've thrown everything into jiu-jitsu recently. Um, but I still love it and I will fully go back to it. Um, I really do love that. But at the same time, I never found that connection with it that I have with jiu-jitsu. Mm. Um, so I've always been into watching MMA and the UFC and everything from, from years and never understood what happened on the ground so anytime it'd go to the because at this time obviously I was tie boxing so I was like oh it's great when they're standing up and then they're, then they're falling to the ground and they're just rolling around what the fuck is this shit what's going on and then I also had like Joe Rogan like oh and he's doing this and he's going for that and he's setting up this and I was like who the fuck's this wizard how does he how does he know what they're gonna do every time and then they do it I was like I need to I need to know how he's doing that for a start so I need to learn a little bit about it um and then my, my brother recommended the place that I train at now so um that's the reason that I went there um mm. it's a bit it's a bit of an awkward situation as well because at the time I was also in a very controlling controlling um relationship where I couldn't just do what I wanted to do I had mm. to had to make a case for it so as well. This, I think this is why my Thai boxing was never that great, even though I've done it for so long, because um, I was never allowed to do mixed classes, so I had to go to the women's classes. You know, women's classes are not the same. They're, yeah. they're, they're designed for women that generally want to use it as a form of fitness, not as 
yeah. not to take it seriously not and, as a and never to go sport. and fight, really. Yeah. yeah, it's it's for people that are never... I'm generalising here, but the types of women that go to just women's classes generally don't ever want to fight or anything. They just want to get... They, wanna, they enjoy it and they want to use it to get fit. Yeah. Um, so I was just doing the women's classes for a long time. Even though I, I wanted nothing more than to do the mixed classes and get stuck in and fight and everything, um, which wasn't allowed. And that sounds... That sounds... Um, probably to a lot of people like what the fuck do you mean you weren't allowed you're a fucking adult you know couldn't you just say well fuck you i'm going anyway but you know it's not it's not quite that simple when Mm -hmm. um for for many reasons mostly when you come to realize afterwards are psychological but a lot of it is conditioning yeah so um you do get conditioned to think that things that are threatened that might not happen would happen if you understand yeah um but on top of that there was a lot of um there was a lot of violence involved as well so it wasn't just empty threats you know so i couldn't i couldn't train the way that i wanted to i was i was always really frustrated by that fact that i couldn't take my training where i wanted to with Mm. that because i wasn't able to do the mixed classes so anyway um I had to make a massive case for starting jiu-jitsu. I had to sell it as, you know, it's the best form of self-defense for women, you know. Mm. What if I get, somebody tries to rape me on the street or whatever, so. But it took months. It took months of, of um, I kept at it, trying to trying mm. to break him down. And I never never let up. Any time I saw a little crack of, uh, you know, considering it, I'd keep at it. Um, but eventually it was, you know, okay, fine, you can give it a go and... I don't like I don't like the idea, but you know you can mm. you can go and try it because it was always it was always going to be a case of it's going to be a mixed class. You know? Yeah, and going in there, there's going to be other guys there, and he was insanely jealous, and uh, wasn't even allowed to to look at random dudes in the street or whatever. So without him getting jealous, um, so that was a massive that was a massive massive achievement. Just getting to the point where I was able to step onto the mat in the first place. Um, and to be honest, I don't really remember what my first few sessions were like. I just remember it feeling weird being there that I was able to be around a group of people mm. without him there. I was allowed to do that. That felt weird because I'd been isolated for so long. I forgot what normal human contact was like, really. So that was strange. And then it wasn't just a case of being in a room full of people. You know, he's pressed pressed up against people. Got yeah. them... them rubbing against you and all kinds of shit going on it's hardly subtle (laughs) no not really so i remember it being difficult to adapt to i remember it being being a lot to take in and it was a huge change but i pretty much fell in love with it straight away um it's just the nature of it i guess you Hmm. you form you form bonds straight when everybody was so nice and i'd been i've been told for so long that you know he's he's the only even though he was abusing me in every way possible I was told he was the only person who had my best interests at heart and yeah. everybody else out there had bad intentions for me I, I, at this point I had no friends um, because I wasn't allowed to mm. ever see them or speak to them um, I was hardly ever seeing my family because you know yeah. I wasn't really these are all people that can tell you something well, to yeah, the contrary there you go well, this, this is what you find out afterwards once you've been yeah. through all of this you realise that there's a reason that they have a script they follow and it's to isolate you and it's to take away your support network and all of that. So um, 
I'm actually, for the first time in years, seeing that these random people aren't all... They don't all have ulterior motives. Yeah. You know, all the men aren't trying to sleep with me and all the women aren't trying against me, trying to yeah. hurt me. It's, this is all stuff that I've just been told and it's, it's none of it's true. These people are nice people and the, the, more, the more I went and... So I guess it wasn't just the training itself. It was, I guess, the training bred the, the closeness. But yeah. it was also the relationships with the people as well. It was like these are mm. these are good people, and yeah, it's very the, difficult to get into this sport without building very strong relationships with the people that yeah, you train definitely. with. Like, yeah. you're you're forced into very close proximity very early, so yeah. you have to you have to have a lot of trust yeah. as well. They're not like what we were talking about earlier that they're not going to try and kill you or intentionally hurt you. Yeah. Like the aim of the game is literally just be nice, get yeah. along with each other. Yeah, you have to look after your training partners, or like, like we said earlier, you're not going to have anybody to train with. So yeah, that's that's a massive part of jujitsu, and it was everything all together. I was once I started, I was adamant I wasn't ever going to give it up for any reason, and it did cause it it, it caused things to get worse for a while because mm. obviously he hated it. He got insanely jealous. Um. But at the same time, going there was causing these, you know, these realizations to set in and undo some of the damage that had been done already mentally. And I was starting to question more, and I was starting to feel like I had people I could turn to um, when I was struggling, yeah. and I could confide in, and they could give me advice. And this was all the things he was trying to prevent, but it was happening. You know, it already started. The ball had started rolling, and it was just—it was always from that point when I stepped on the mat going to be a matter of time until, yeah, until I managed to get myself out of that um so yeah that's yeah how I got into it like I would I would argue that like jujitsu in general breeds independence simply because it makes you very aware of what you're of what you can withstand and it makes you very aware of what other people intend for you so yeah it makes you more empathetic it makes you um it helps you to read other people a bit a bit better and like we said before it's it's very difficult to roll with the same people over and over again and not build very strong relationships with them but um yeah i can't i can see why they wouldn't want you to start this sport simply because it is very is very much going to lead to independence yeah and yeah. um yeah it's not <laughs> i'm just gonna go silent <laughs> my brain just collapsed in on itself. i was like here's a thought here's a thought it's like you have no. these it's like you have these batteries in your head <laughs> And then as you're talking, they go down. And then when they reach the lowest point, they cut out and then you have to wait a few moments for it to fill up again. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, when it's just about to finish, it's like, here's the best idea you've ever had. Ooh. And it's gone. <laughs> like, what? 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 Why me? Why me? Uh. Um, okay. So I'm assuming, and well, actually, no, I don't need to assume because it's very obvious. Like you, you left this person at some point. Yeah. So, uh, um, 
I will never forget when it was. It was April 2016. It's Ooh. like a. It's like an anniversary for me of sorts. So we're nearly in April now. See, I've been taking notes. So next <laughs> month it'll be two years. Two years. Jesus, is that two years? Dick free. Two years. It it seems like fucking ten. It feels like ten these past two years. Mm. But at the same time, it's flown. Yeah, that's what happens when you grow older. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah, a week feels like a day. Month feels like a week. Mm. Sucks. Yeah, like I I don't think it's fair that like children should feel like the six week holidays last for a year. Yeah. And I should, you know, breeze through six months of my life <laughs> without even noticing. It's like yeah. how is that fair? It's not. It's not just because I have more years on this earth and I have more time to like compare to. Yeah, and then when you, when you, um, when you tie in the getting old and how that distorts how you experience time moving faster, which it does, mm. with the, <laughs> with the depressive episodes where you, <laughs> where you can't leave down. the house for five days and <laughs> you sleep most of those days away. So you, you team those together. It's like, where the fuck is my life going? Yeah. <laughs> it's mental. Um, okay, so... We'll come off your relationship real quick. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about... Um, the after effects. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about depression first. Because that's well, always a fun subject. I... I found myself wondering a lot recently. It's like, do I, I... I don't know if I have depression. Am I depressed? Because I always had this idea of depression being, you know, where you're just low all the time. And I know other people that suffer from it. And it's just, it seems like, you know, you just don't mm. feel a lot. Like you're just walking around and not really experiencing the world, you know. It's everything's yeah. being muted. But I don't have that. I'm either wanting to collapse into a hole and disappear forever and that's the only thing that will make me happy mm. or everything's great <laughs> it's yeah. one or the other and I, f- I find myself just wishing I could just have a median raise one and lower one and yeah just be somewhere in the in the fucking middle yeah and it's it's never like that it's always one or the other but it always seems like the the, the worst one outweighs the best one it's, it takes away the enjoyment of being mm. up because you're always waiting to then come back down again yeah like for me it's a lot everything for me is about perspective so um like I try to rationalize my depression in that it's my inability to live in the moment because I'm either focused on something that's already happened or I'm focusing on something that's going to happen yeah and that triggers an emotional response from me that makes me not want to do anything in the present yeah which is annoying (laughs) more than anything else and like um, I had a really good idea that I was going to talk about but then I started talking about something else (gasps) what I shouldn't be allowed to talk to people this is my problem (laughs) so um, like with my with the depressive episodes I, I can understand where you're coming from in that you can't enjoy the highs because you're expecting the lows to come but um, for me, it was about reframing. Like, I, I, I try to reframe my issues in that I see my uh, depressive episodes as a pendulum. Um, like, for me, 
I can only ever be as happy as is equal to and opposed to my sadness. Yeah. Yeah. So I can have very high highs, but then that means that my lows will be very, very low. Yeah. And conversely, when I've had a really, really bad time, I can have an even better time yeah. uh, because of it. Um, like my my depression kind of put a lot of things in my life into perspective and it forced me to challenge like why I wasn't happy and why um, certain aspects of my life have turned out the way that they have. Yeah. And like, is that something that like you've gone through or like do you experience it in a different way? Like, how does your depression affect you well, first and foremost? <laughs> the, the second thing that you said, very similar to that. But I've gone through so many different things to try and figure out exactly what's happening, why, and what I can actively do about it that will help manage it. Mm. Um, and it seems to me the only thing that helps is taking action in some way in my life and taking some control, because it's, it's when I feel like I don't have control over certain things. Mm. Um, like, for example, if, if I make an effort to, to be physically healthy, so I'll, I'll go to the gym, eat well, um, and I can, I can see the results of that and I, can, I, can, I feel better, I have more energy. And it, but it's, more, it's more for me not at the time. It's knowing that the, the things that I'm doing are causing me to progress for the better yeah. in some way. It doesn't have to be diet and exercise. That's just an example. So it's yeah. like with the jiu-jitsu as well. That's something else that helps massively. And it's it's not just the outlet that you have at the time on the map, which is great. Obviously, you're getting, getting into like a flow state and, you know, you can't think about anything else. You're yeah. not thinking about all the things that normally make you anxious because you're just in that moment. That's great, but it's like a patch. It's, yeah. it's there and then. You don't. It doesn't help moving forward. Mm. But the thing that does help is knowing that every day you step on the mats, you keep doing that. You're progressing. Mm. In like a year's time, you're gonna be a lot better than you are now if you just carry yeah. on just doing it regularly, taking it one day at a time. So it's sort of two part. It's 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 what helps with the moment, but it's what's gonna help long term as well. Which is what we're talking about with the TV stuff. It's like it's, yeah. you know, it's all right to chill out for that evening, but. Where's that mm. getting you in a year's time? Yeah. So there's something missing. So you're getting the, the momentary patch, but you're not getting the long-term mm. fix as well, if you know what I mean. And I, I need the things that I know are, are doing that because a lot of a lot of my issues stem from feeling like I'm not in good enough in any way. I'm not achieving anything in life. Mm. It's like the, wor the, the worst times for me are when I'm really judgmental about myself, which is all the time. I, I, have, yeah. re I have really negative monologue all the time where I'm like, you shit this, you shit that, what are you doing with this area of your life, that area of your life, shit, what have you achieved, look how old you're getting. <laughs> Stop I'm, reading I'm, my mind. I'm just really, really harsh and I, I have to I have to break that cycle sometimes because I, yeah. I can spend days there getting lower and lower and that gets worse. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way I found to counteract it is have something, the, have the opposite. So it's like, well, what, well, you are achieving this and that because yeah. of the things that you're doing. And that's, it gives me something. Mm. I spoke about this briefly in like the, the previous podcast. Like one, I share like a lot of uh, what you just said. And like, I have a very low self-worth. I don't feel like I deserve half of the things that I do have. Um, I, I've been very 
lucky in a lot of ways in my life and um like I had this conversation with Joe in the last podcast where for me jiu-jitsu was it was brilliant for me and my depression because of the small senses of achievement that you received after every class yeah. like you always you're always achieving something and like that was my biggest issue I always felt like my life was stagnant and I'm not achieving any of the things that I really wanted to do when I was little like I didn't really have any goals when I was little um because my all of my thoughts and feelings were so heavily invested in this one thing that was never going to happen and then um so I didn't really think about my life past like 16 17 because I didn't think I'd make it to that age um so like jujitsu gave me like I can go to a class, I can learn some... Even if we're going over stuff that I already know, you'll, you can you'll find something one up. little yeah. thing that yeah. fixes everything. And um, it's like what I was saying a minute ago, where, like, for me, jiu-jitsu is my hard reset button. So if, I'm in a, if I have a depressive episode and I'm, like, either stuck in the past I've, where I'm dwelling on something that I've done or if I'm looking into the future and something that I really don't want to do, like... Jiu-jitsu is that one time where I can go on the mats and then, like, you don't think about anything else when you're there. Yeah. So yeah. you're actually forced to live in the moment. So I'm not in either of the yeah. two extremes. It's like, I have to be here yeah. because I don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> or break. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I don't want to break a limb today. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just keep our mind on this. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... At the end of every class, you always come out feeling better. Like, one, because your body's already producing endorphins after, like, a workout and stuff. But you have the small sense of achievement. You've yeah. learned something. You're progressing into something even bigger. Yeah. And um, then, like, I'm not forcibly thinking about other things. I can actually, like, start talking to myself to feel happier again. Like, I'm going to go home, have a shower, feel good about myself for a little bit. And then, like, watch a stand-up comedian because they make me laugh. And, like, <laughs> anything to get out of, like, the repetitive yeah. cycle of, you know what? You're actually three times the size that you are and your life is a shit <laughs> Let's just lie you're in bed. You're a piece and... of shit and you deserve nothing. <laughs> yeah. Let's just lie in bed and contemplate that for three weeks. Like, oh. okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> What makes me feel a bit bad sometimes is when it starts to affect other people. So, yeah. um, so for example, I have oh, just uh, I might as well just just give people this little tidbit of info because it'll make me feel better. Yeah. Um, so I'm really conscious of facts that sometimes I seem like a really ignorant person. Um, maybe over messages or, or whatever because I, it, it takes me a while to reply sometimes. Oh um, yeah, I always consider you ignorant. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because my... at, least, at least everybody um, everybody gets the same treatment from me. I'm ignorant to everybody. Yeah. Um, because I f so when I, get, um, when I get messages through it triggers anxiety and I don't know. I don't know exactly why yet. I managed to figure out why but it does and sometimes I'll be on my phone <laughs> I'll be on Facebook or something and I'll get some Facebook messages through and I'll be like 
right, I'm going to have to come on lo- offline for a few hours because I'm not ready to reply to... It doesn't matter who it is or what the topic is. That has... It, it makes no difference. Yeah. It's purely the contact itself. Um, so I'll have to put my phone down and come offline mm. until I feel like I'm, I can handle replying. And that sounds probably insane to a lot of people, but... Not really. I, like, I, especially after what you've just, like, spoken about as well. Like, you... You think you're not good enough in general and you've just come out, well, I say you just come out, like two years ago you are in a relationship. Well, I spent like a decade having no social yeah, life. Yeah, you weren't no allowed friends. So, like, that's not something you can get over immediately. And, like, of course it's going to trigger an emotional response when people are talking to you that you're not, and you're not used to people yeah. Yeah. contacting you. Even though, I guess you could say for the past couple of years, I have lived... Yeah. a somewhat normal life still you've that's there's 12 years previous yeah it's, it's <laughs> exactly. not quite as much of a long period as that so I'm not as used to this as I am to that so even though I'm, over the past couple of years I've got a lot better at it mm. I've, I think I've integrated back into society quite well <laughs> I guess um there's still a lot of things I have I have to work on but it makes me feel bad because I don't I, I hate the thought that I'm ever making anybody else feel bad mm. And I'm very conscious of the effect that I, of anything that I do and say can have on other people. Um, yeah. So I, I do think about things like that quite a lot. But at the same time, I, I can't fix it yet. I'm not at the place yet where I can just deal with these things normally. So um, that makes me feel awful. And it kind of got rubbed in a little bit yesterday where I had, I had somebody message me um, and ask why I never messaged them. Um, mm. So we got into a bit of a conversation about that. And she, it started off quite hostile. She was she was obviously quite upset and offended. She was like, yeah. I don't feel like we're really friends. You never message me. And I'm like, I had to just be perfectly honest and be like, look, it, it's not you. It's just I have this problem and I'm working on it. But this is just... I explained everything clearly to her. Yeah. And at the end, it was fine. I think she was okay with it. She felt better. And I felt better that I'd made her feel better. But I felt awful that I'd made her feel like that in the first place. So... Mm. Yeah, I'm really conscious of things like that. And I'm basically, I just, I'm trying to say that it's not intentional and I don't want people to think it's personal. It's, it's a problem with me. It's a problem that I have that I'm yeah. trying to work on. But at the minute, it's not something I've managed to get over yet. Which is understandable. So there's, there's just a few things like that that I'm still trying to work on and work through. Yeah. And things like that really do take time. Yeah, because there's times when I just I, I go into I want to just go into my room and just not have human contact and just sit in a pit and it's not good for me. It, it's not good. I'm not saying this is how I want to be, but there is there's days that I feel like that and I get under a sort of a bit of a yeah. cloud and I I just shut myself away from the world. Um, like it's not it's not unhealthy to want time by yourself because like. Um, who was it like I've read a couple of studies about like introverts in general like it takes a lot more energy for someone who is quite insular in general to be outgoing with other people and to have conversations with other people so like the amount of effort it takes you to have a conversation with someone say say someone stops you in the street and they like they spoke to you for like 15 minutes you're gonna go home and go in your room and be alone for like four hours because you need to recharge 
yeah. that aspect yeah. of your life. You're like, I, I've had too much social interaction <laughs> and it, it burns you out. Yeah. And like, I'm like kind of halfway between the two. Either I talk incessantly because I'm a rambler and that's what I do. I'm a, I hate myself for it a lot of the time or I will just go into my bedroom and like say nothing. Like I, yeah. I had a very similar, I have like kind of a similar experience. Like I ruined one of my longest running friendships recently because I, I had a really bad depressive episode like at the end of last year. And like I'd go to work, come home and go straight into my room, shut my door and then either go to sleep or watch something or both and um, then either go to training or just not leave my room for the whole night and like I was living with my friend at the time and like it, she just felt that I was ignoring her and I I wasn't making any attempts yeah. to interact with yeah. her I was, and like when I had to work I had to work in the living room so then like she felt like she couldn't be in there at the same time as me because I like just had a cloud over me and like it wasn't anything that she'd done. It was more my issues that I had with myself. Like, I don't know. I'm very impatient as a person in general. And that's something that I, I need to work on. But at the same time, like my mental um, state was being drilled down heavily by the fact that some things weren't moving like at all. And they should have happened like the beginning of last year, the middle of last year. And like, there's no progress. So it's, very difficult for me to like just get my head out of that space so like she ended up moving out and like didn't tell me she was moving out didn't um like she just she was literally there one day and then gone the next and yeah. I felt awful um was it just you two yeah there as well so it's yeah. made more more of a it's made more yeah. obvious and like I still feel bad about it now because it wasn't her issue, it was mine. I I could have made an effort and I could have, like, extended an olive branch or something, but I do feel that at the same time she should have recognised that I was going through a hard time and if she wanted to help me, she could have spoken to me about it. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have barked at her if she'd knocked on my door and asked if everything was okay, but she... Um, what did she say like her response was um she didn't feel safe talking to me and I'm like I'm one of the most placid people in the world what well, personally that's how I feel I wouldn't I wouldn't hurt anyone ever despite like the people I train with having a, a contrary um opinion to that and like I would never actively try to hurt anyone and especially not emotionally because I know how crippling it can be um but yeah the fact that she didn't want to talk about it and I wasn't leaving my room just meant that that friendship that had been built up over the last 10 12 years gone in its entirety I haven't spoken to her since like some of the mail comes and I'm like oh I don't know what to do with it <laughs> but, um yeah, it's it's an awkward position, and like I should try and get back in touch, but at the same time, 
I don't know. Sometimes time time passes to a point where you know it's yeah it's hard to get back to where you were. But she upset me, and like she left me a note when she left, and in that note, actually no, it wasn't a note. Like she sent me a Facebook message, and it was before she left, and she said something along the lines of, um. I was very inconsiderate. I didn't take into account how my feelings affected her. And like when I read that, I was just like, mate, like I've been thinking about killing myself for the past two weeks, and you're saying, oh, I don't, I'm not thinking about how that's going to affect you. I'm like, of course I, I'm thinking about that, how that's going to affect her, because she'd find my body. <laughs> like, I think if you've not been in that situation, it's yeah. very, very hard to understand yeah. what somebody else's mindset's like when they're going through it. And like, yeah, depression is one of those things where it is very much until you've lived it, yeah. you can't really understand it. Because like, I don't know, I see memes all the time where people just go, "Have you have you tried not being sad?" Thanks, you fixed me. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> Oh, all I had to do was not be sad. Brilliant. But like, again, that's another misconception. It's not that you're sad, it's that you're low. Like, I can be depressed and not be sad or upset. Like, I can I can laugh when I'm depressed, but I tend to laugh at how ridiculous I am as a person. <laughs> Healthy. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. My mind goes to fucking weird places when I'm depressed. Yeah. I, I either make fun of myself or I just dwell on shit that I should have done like 15 years ago. Like, if I could just go back to that one point and do this, I need to invent time travel. <laughs> but then, ah, oh, it's stupid. I have these ridiculous conversations in my mind where it's like, time travel would be awesome. I could do this, this, and this. And then I'm like, well, actually, no, because then you wouldn't be you. Like, all of my experience into this point have made me the person I am now. If I go back and then switch this one thing, I could be some other dickhead. Like, who needs that stress in their life? Like, just... Ugh. Honestly. I think I'd be more like my brother if I changed the things that I wanted to change. And, like, as much as I love him, he is a dick. And <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm a massive dick. I think as well it's a waste of time thinking about things yeah. that are just never going to happen rather than things that you can actually do. Mm. Unless you literally have figured out time travel. <laughs> but um I've tried tried all sorts of things really. Mm. Um something else that I did was I think something that did help was being brutally honest with yourself which yeah. is a hell of a lot harder than it sounds um because it's quite often not pleasant what you what you come to realize but one time i was i was feeling about as as shit about myself as i ever have and i was spiraling kind of out of control and i had to just stop myself and and just be like well just just really find out what it is inside of yourself that is making you feel like this Mm. so obviously as it usually does it's it's feeling like you're a worthless person yeah who has no right to be here <laughs> and would just be great if you weren't but um really analyzing why you, f you feel these ways about yourself so i had to figure out what i value 
in a human. So take yeah. myself out of the equation because all I was thinking about myself was negative things. So just mm. as a, a different human being, what, what would you value out of them? So everybody judges other people in, in, in yeah. to their own parameters. So it's like, well, what, what am I? What do I value yeah. in, in a human being as itself? So I wrote down a list of things um, that, that were important to me, like having good morals and... Mm. Um, being like just different values that were important to me. So I wrote a list of maybe six or seven, and then I, I, out of each one, I went through them one by one and took a good look look at myself and marked myself out of ten. <laughs> maybe doesn't sound that healthy, but I, I was at a stage where it possibly couldn't have gotten much worse, mm. and I was ready to be honest about it all. And I gave myself a mark out of ten for each one of them. Once I'd done that, I looked at that and I was like, right. So they were all obviously on the lower side of 10 because yeah. you know, when you're in that space, you don't think about yourself that great. So I was like, well, what, what mark would I be happy with? So I was like, right, if I can get them all up to like a seven, I'll feel all right about myself and I won't think I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> so then I went into each one and I was like, well, what objectively can you change in each of these areas in your life realistically to mm. get yourself up to that point? So I did that um, and I, I did a couple of things that were realistic to achieve. Um, just doing that itself helped because I had a reference point of why I felt so shit and what I could potentially do about it to get to an area where I felt slightly less shit about myself Mm. Um, and then potentially to a place where maybe I don't feel like that at all Um, and just tried to implement not one of each one Mm. but maybe pick one out of one and if you you do that that's some kind of improvement it's not going to fix everything all at once but it's it's changing something for the better that could over time you know have yeah. a positive effect so things like that you know just trying to find ways 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 to improve to, your happiness to not just put a patch on things but yeah to, to, to address the issue yeah to really to really find the root cause of what's mm. what's making you feel well what's making these episodes occur all mm. the time and to get to a place eventually in life whether it's 10 or 20 years down the line where you you, you don't have that anymore and I think for everybody, you need to find the route. There's always a route. Oh, yeah. And it's getting getting down to that before you can... Yeah, everyone needs to find their happiness. Yeah, before you know what you need to do to get there. And it's, it's going to be different for everybody. And this is, yeah. this is another reason why I don't like the idea of people just being given medication. Yeah. Because it can help. It can help and it can get you to a place where you can... You know, bring your mood up to a point where you can get... Yeah. You, you can do all these things. But I don't. I think it's it's touted as like a cure, and it's mm. it's anything but. So, you're taking these, thinking, "Oh, this is going to make me feel better," and you're not doing anything else. Yeah, like I had a very um, frank conversation with um, the specialist that I have to go and see every like three or four months, and he was asking me about my um, mental and emotional state, and I pretty much told him. That I've been having depressive episodes. Uh, I've had like suicidal thoughts in the past few months. I haven't really enjoyed where I am, and like I knew exactly why I was having these thoughts. I knew, like, that it's because things weren't progressing, and like my hospital had forgotten me pretty much and didn't move any of my uh, pathway forward for like five months, and it just meant that everything for me was really stressful for a long time. And he was like, oh, well, we can give you, like, some antidepressants for that. I was like, no, because they're not going to fix the problem. And his advice to me was 
they're not there to fix the problem. The <clears throat> antidepressants are supposedly there so like it dulls the lows and like it, it dulls the highs a bit as well, but it brings you to a center where you can build and then yeah. you can start going forward from there, building yeah. like the happy and not having to live through the, the, the bad parts at the same time. Yeah. But um and like I can see why people do use them because like that sounds amazing. Yeah. Like the way he was describing it to me, I was like, Well yeah, like I wouldn't have like three or four days of my life just missing at a time (laughs) because um i i I get regressed into such a depressive state but um at the same time i don't i don't want to not feel these things like i'm feeling them for a reason this is this is like my reason why i don't i choose not to medicate like people in my family they use antidepressants and i don't like how it affects them and I I would rather try and get to the root of my depression and address it personally rather than have something to, like, dull those feelings. But, uh, like you say, everyone's going to have their own journey. Everyone's going to yeah. have their own battle with it. Everyone's going to have different reasons for it. And it's yeah. like... But like you said, if you don't get to that point where you're like, shit, this is fucking horrible and I need to do something about it if you've got medication that's keeping you just stable you're not there you're not going to be desperate enough I think sometimes to address the root yeah what's what is the point of doing that thing that's going to be really difficult and horrible to do I can stay on these forever yeah exactly or I can address this really painful exactly because I think sometimes when you do reach those states that's what causes you to trigger a change because it's like well I can't I can't keep having these because this is I'm losing my life. You're, you're losing. Yeah. You're losing big chunks of of your life, days at a time. Yes. <laughs> One step closer to the grave. <laughs> my favourite thing. <laughs> but like, the ridiculous thing is, like, if there's something that I'm really looking forward to, like, I will, like, all of the things that I look forward to are with. Um, friends and family so like occasionally people will get messages from me where I'm just like literally going to sleep now so that tomorrow comes sooner <laughs> like what it's five o'clock in the afternoon like yeah like, can you imagine how quick it's gonna come when I sleep through the rest of the night like what are you mental yeah yeah it's how I think and it's stupid but I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have like a 14 hour sleep tonight just so I'm ready for tomorrow <laughs> Oh, I'm such a twat. I can sleep. Oh, God, I could, I could probably do tw- a good 20 hours a day if I didn't have to work. <laughs> Tell me about it. I didn't it. have to work and I didn't train. I could happily do 20 hours a day. <laughs> I could happily not work and train and do 20 hours of sleep a day. <laughs> I, um... Oh, who was I speaking to? I was speaking to one of my friends and I said, I said to him, like, sleep's one of my favourite things. Like, I don't get enough of it, first and foremost. Um, but she was like, yeah, I know. Like, every time I've been to your house, you've fallen asleep on me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I I do just fall asleep at the drop of a hat. <laughs> like, I, I get, like, five hours of sleep a night. That's it. And then I have naps during the day. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like a dog or a cat. One of the two. 
I read something the other day that apparently that's the that's the way we're supposed to do it, and we're not supposed to just get eight hours in one go. We're supposed to like nap. Yeah, nap a lot. Naps I can, I, are I the can best. Get down with that. I can get down with napping all the Naps time. Naps are awesome. You should have nap breaks during work. It should be a thing. You know, like siestas. I've spoken to people at work and just said, "Would anyone mind if I brought a pillow in so that at lunch I just I lay down think on my desk. people would be way more productive if they were allowed like a mid mid-morning nap definitely yes napping is the way forward I, I, I love them like whether it's like 20 minutes or an hour or six or hours. seven <laughs> but like, <laughs> like when I nap in the afternoon <laughs> I try to describe it to myself as like training for the Olympics like you don't just go straight into like this massive thing you need to like ease yourself into it i have like three 20 minute naps and then i'll go into my big nap at the end <laughs> just to ease myself into wake it. up just in time to go to bed <laughs> yeah exactly it's all practice for the main event <laughs> i love it um right so talked talked a little bit about depression <laughs> in that half an hour. <laughs> um, anxiety. Like, they, personally, I feel that they go hand in hand. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because they, have, they have a lot of the same triggers for me. Yeah. A lot of the same thought patterns. Because, mm. like, anxiety for me is the now situation. Yeah. So where you have, like, depression as the, uh, the past and the future... Anxiety is the now. It's what's stopping you from being productive. Yeah. Like currently, like um, I can remember vividly, like at the beginning of my transition, like I, when I started my social transition, I started to uh, dress in more feminine clothes and like try to blend more. But then. As I would go to leave my house, I would put my hand on the door and I would stand there for 45 minutes trying to work up the courage to open my front door and leave and then go to do whatever the hell I was doing. And um, like that, it got better over time, obviously, but at the same time, like I still have these emotional triggers for my anxiety where like I will just freeze in the middle of like Tesco and just like stand there for five or ten minutes trying to work out my will to go especially like I still have a bit of a complex about people from my past so when I go to when I go to Southampton to see some of my friends I always worry that I'm gonna meet some of the people I used to work with yeah and I'm like oh I really don't want that to happen or like I moved back to Milton Keynes and now I, I worry about seeing like my school friends uh, in the thing in case like it just starts a ridiculous conversation in the middle of Tesco and yeah. I just start crying. Brilliant. But um, yeah, for me, it's all it's all about freezing and breaking down in the middle of like the most inappropriate place. Yeah. And are you constantly anticipating that? In general, or is it just when you're in certain situations, like in those places where you know, when you know people from your past? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a lot better with it now because I've reached, um, 
like to help me deal with my issues like in general like with my transition like I wrote a book about it um on how to deal with the mental aspects of transition and like my favorite uh chapter to write was reaching the point of fuck it and that whole chapter is just literally about the stop worrying about everything and just do it like close your eyes deep breath move forward that's it and I can do that now and like I just literally go places with an empty mind like I, I'm always listening to something um if I'm not with other people um I always like music and stuff in my ears so I don't have to constantly hear my inner monologue when I'm out yeah and um like when I do meet people from my past and stuff it's very I, I do still get really panicky and awkward and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that like they either don't see me or if they do see me we don't interact but um, sometimes it happens and then we have like a conversation and stuff and it's fine and like I've, I've been very fortunate in my transition in that I only really lost one person like who was valuable in my life and everyone else has been like literally amazing so um like that's it's almost unheard of <laughs> um, especially when people transition later in life like I have well not not late late because I know some people wait until like 50 and it's like you've already had like this full yeah range of experience it's very difficult for people to see you as something else if you've already lived like years as this other person um it's another reason why I don't really get like, especially if it's people that I've known for a long time, I'm very flexible when it comes to people either using my old name or using, like, uh, the wrong pronouns and stuff. I don't... It doesn't bother me that much because, like, they knew me for, like, 29, Yeah, and a lot of... It's just force of habit. And then it's yeah, like... I bet exactly. they sometimes go, oh, shit, oh. They worry about it more than I do. Yeah. And, like, people do get really apologetic about it. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. It honestly is, like... It only really hurts when it's like people in the general public who either I can see are saying those things out of malition or who just generally read me as male. And like, that's like, for me, that's a failing on my point. But like, if I'm honest, I do dress quite androgynously anyway. And like, because I'm quite a stocky person, of course, someone's going to look up and go, hello, sir. Especially if like my hair's tied up and like, it's just um, like my, my face in general. And then like, no one's going to look at my groin or look at my chest and go, aha, there you go. Hello, miss. Like, it's always going to be like, uh, they'll look in my face and they go, hello, sir. And I'm like, oh, okay brilliant we're doing this thanks for that and then like um the interaction will finish i'll go away and i'll just feel sad for a little bit and then um eat pizza <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do it's my comfort food like uh, pizza's the best anyway in general if anyone thinks have any you ever had a bolognese pizza what it's the best fucking <laughs> thing ever what bolognese pizza it's fucking amazing who who makes this wondrous item and where can I partake in the, it? They're about two miles down the road. <laughs> I don't know if it's open yet. I'm not going to be able to have it now because I'm going training in like an hour and a half. Pass back through on your way back. I might. <laughs> I really might. 
But um, I have had like a kebab pizza before, which is amazing. I love kebab meat. Doesn't sound as good. See, you say this, but someone tried to give me a meatball marinara from Subway and I just thought it was the worst thing. Like, yeah, that sounds get, a bit gross. Yeah, you like three meatballs. Yeah, it sounds gross. And the sauce just comes out yeah. and down you. I'm like, mate, sort your life out. Steak and cheese. Yeah. Steak and yeah, cheese. Yeah, steak and cheese. And then, um, Honey what's the other one? No, the uh, chipotle chicken on a flatbread. That is the one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then it was the best day ever. I couldn't decide and I got both. <laughs> half and half. Yeah. <laughs> Did that they treat it as day. a single sub or did they charge you for two six inches? I don't remember. Probably you didn't two. didn't care? I, know, <laughs> it was I the don't best think day I did ever. care. It was awesome. I remember that day. <laughs> Might do that again. <laughs> like my favourite ever um, experience of Subway. I was in, um, where was I? I was in Blackpool with my partner at the time and we were coming back from my sister's house because that's where she lives. And um, we stopped by Subway on the way home because we wanted to get something because it's like a... a where we live, we live in Southampton, so it was like a seven-hour drive from Blackpool to Southampton. It was awful. But, um, yeah, got steak and cheese sub. And this guy, it was either his first day or his last day because he didn't care how much steak he put in it. You know how stingy <laughs> they are when they get the little yeah. cardboard boards like, eh, yeah. eh. you yeah, could yeah. this much. He, he literally had... He didn't use, like, the cardboard boxes because it was just, like, the steak in the thing. And he had, like, a shovel. (laughs) And he just plonked it in. And it was, like, so thick with meat. I was like, this (sighs) is the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity. Why can't... Like, I had the opposite experience where I had to ask somebody three fucking times to put more olives on. (laughs) You know, they they slice one, one olive into, like, six fucking slices. He put three... Bit. so half an olive give me fucking half an olive it's like dude can i have can i have some more fucking olives please all right another half a fucking olive i'm like can i have some more olives please and he's put like just to be put fair, your hand to in. be fair the next the third because i've had asked three times the next one was like a full olive but that comes up to two olives so i was like really fucking pissed off <laughs> but yeah that's not my worst subway experience i think i've told you about my worst subway experience before haven't i just cumbers did I not tell oh, you about the juice cumbers? No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I can't. I can't have cucumbers in uh, subways anymore. No. Yeah, that was that was fucking horrible. That was horrible. Yeah. Was horrible. Yeah. Doesn't help. Doesn't help reading um reading like Reddit threads afterwards of people that have worked in like the you know food inspectors and they've there was this one guy that got caught on camera like basically like having sex with a a, a bucket of. The, I don't know what it was, but it might be in the chicken or No, it's tuna. It was tuna. It was oh. it was one of the tubs of tuna. You know, they have, they have everything out in big tubs. It yeah. was the tuna tub. It was just like, you know, having a good go on that and then put it back. Um, and he got caught doing that. Obviously got sacked and whatever, but... So, they, they, you know, they get up to all kinds of shit, so... That's rancid. Yeah. And it hurts my feelings greatly. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it ruined Subway for a long time, and then I managed to start going back again, but I can't have the cucumbers. <laughs> Yeah, pretty grim. Brilliant. <laughs> so, have I rendered you speechless? No, no, no. I'm Almost. just trying to think about what I want to say. Just see this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. 
Okay. Are you going to ask me about my goals? No. <laughs> God. So, um, how I've talked about anxiety, and this this is it should be about you. Uh, I need to shut up Why? for a little bit. So, um, can you describe? kind of what happens to you when you experience anxiety actually let's let's double up like i know you have um you have you a lot of the time you have a tough time in competitions because you're you obviously suffer from anxiety on a performance basis is yeah. that right yeah so talk me a bit through that what through anxiety around competing yeah, and jiu-jitsu in general. Um, I'm trying to work on this, actually, because I've come to realise that a lot of it stems from um, not wanting to... not wanting to not win. So mm. not wanting to lose a fight. And really, I, have, I think I've got a lot better with that recently. Um, feeling like it really doesn't matter. Like, now it's more... Um, fear of performing bad so mm. I don't really care as much as I did I'm not going to say I don't care because obviously everybody wants to win but I don't care yeah. as much about winning a fight as I do about having a good performance during the fight so if I feel like I did my best um, I did everything that I could mm. I implemented the techniques I know well and I just wasn't good enough and I, I lost the fight um, that's fine, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that um, whereas there's been fights that I've won that I felt like I shouldn't have won or that I won by the skin of my teeth and I did shit and I, I'm not happy with that. That doesn't sit well with me. So it's, it sort of progressed. It started off where I had massive anxiety of just not winning the fight, which then on, upon analysing that, I realised how ridiculous that was. And now it's just performance anxiety, which I still have. Mm. That's I concentrate on that a lot. I find myself picturing future fights and it's not, it's not the thought of not winning them that bothers me. It's the thought that I fight crap that I don't mm. I don't perform to my best. Um, there was one fight that I had um, that Densetsu that Invitational, yes. um, Nogi. So I'm not the biggest fan of Nogi as it is. Anyway, as anybody that knows me will know how I feel about Nogi. Um, but I basically I, I won the fight, but I was absolutely gutted afterwards because I watched it back and I was like. I feel so sorry for everybody that came down here to watch me because that was fucking awful. What mm. the fuck was I doing? I was doing things I don't normally do. I wasn't doing things that I do do. I basically had her in my guard for most of the fight mm. and didn't do much else. And I was so disappointed in myself because I was just like, I don't understand why, what, that, what, was, what was that? And it was like, I just didn't want to lose so bad that my mind was... Yeah. My mind closed up and... I didn't allow my body to flow how it normally would. I basically, I basically just choked, seized up, um, and I couldn't have been more disappointed with that. Um, conversely, the same same day, I fought Fion after that mm. and got absolutely wrecked, obviously, <laughs> but was so much happier with that fight because I didn't freeze up. I think I, I obviously went into it not expecting to win. Mm. Um, I, I knew I wasn't going to win that fight. But I got myself into the mindset of, well, there's no pressure on me then. I'm just, I'm just going to do my best. Yeah. And I did. And I fought to the best of my ability. And it was a, it was a great fight. She had full control of the whole thing. Like, <laughs> but I, I, I think I did, I did well. It was a good, it was a good fight for me. For yeah. the level that I was at. For what I was up against. 
I felt that went as well as it could have gone. Mm. And I took a lot from it. I came away with um, knowing what I needed to work on and different areas mm. of weaknesses and stuff. And it was great. I got a lot out of it. Um, and it still bothers me to this day, the, the other fight that I won, how crap it was. <laughs> so it's, it's purely the performance anxiety now. Um, mm. So I'm trying to to be aware of the effects that putting pressure on myself can have. Yeah. I don't want that to happen to happen again. Because, um, like, I never... I never knew that this is something that you went through. Like, I didn't really find out about your actual, um, like, performance anxiety until the Fire Like a Girl competition last year when I was <laughs> speaking to you, like, before you went into your fight. And you couldn't. And you were, you were just shaking. And I was like... Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, you can't like, talk to me. Yeah. Tournament day. I'm sorry, but you, if you try and have a conversation with me, you're shit out of luck. Yeah, <laughs> I will try like, my best, but you're basically <laughs> talking to a shell. <laughs> and like, it it didn't really hit me until like I actually saw yeah. it, and I was like, oh shit! Like, and then like, if anything else, like, <clears throat> I had like a swell of pride in my chest that I didn't want to physically demonstrate to you because it would only make you feel even worse because <laughs> I was like like for someone who like I respect greatly in the sport and someone who I feel has achieved like a, a great deal um the fact that you were able to do all of that whilst going through this ridiculous fucking nonsense like I don't know dating stress <laughs> yeah like so Obviously, I've seen how you feel um, outside of the fight. And, like, when when we've competed in competition, like, I never saw that, like, at all. So Game, game face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, so, like, obviously, my next question is, like, whilst when we were fighting, you were very much in the moment able to, like, work your game and do whatever you wanted like were you still experiencing the same level of anxiety when you're on the mat as when you're off the mat no it it kind of stops us as, as soon as you bump fists and start as soon as the fight starts yeah that's gone apart from the there's been odd occasions where for some reason the stress has been that great that it's maintained and that the fight that i just described was one of them yeah. that's why I performed so badly there that I kept that the whole way through the fight yeah. and that is not that is not good because it's far from ideal it, you, you get into um, it's like there's like these different circuits in your brain that you get into and mm. if you're in that one where you're staying in that high state of anxiety you can't access the other one where you you can perform the techniques that you know, you know yeah. subconsciously it, it takes it debilitates you it takes all of that away from you mm-hmm. so it's, it's the mental aspect is so important. It's so important that you you do whatever you need to do yeah. so that you can perform to the best of your ability. And it's it's easier said than done. And it but it, it it just takes mm. it takes practice and knowing what works for you. Um, yeah. And I have all kinds of weird rituals that I will do um, before a fight. There's so many things that make absolutely no sense. I'm not going to tell you what they are because it's fucking ridiculous. Tell there's me no, what they are. There's no logic. I get real. Um, 
You know when you do stupid, th- I don't know if you do, you know when you do stupid things like where you have to stay to like 16 times or like something bad will happen or yeah. you have to switch to the lights for three times or whatever. Well, I'm normally not that bad with things like that, it's fine, but when it comes to like just before a comp, like just before a big comp, like the day before maybe or the day of, um, that gets really, really bad and I'll get these thoughts out of nowhere, it's like, right, if you don't do this, that's going to... You can actually run up and down the stairs six times. Uh, it gets really, really bad, and it's things I ha- there's there's specific things as well that I've maybe done at previous ones, and I have to do them the same, and it's weird. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. There's no logic to it, mm. but it's sort of like a mental placebo effect. Yeah, which it well it helps. It's not yeah. it's not logically correct. These like it's staring my fucking t twelve times <laughs> isn't really going to help me win a fight, but it does something mentally that calms me down and puts me in a state where yeah. I, I have less anxiety going into it, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that I do mm. to manage it um, that help. Um, like, but I still I still get really nervous. It's just I I, I can direct the nerves. Do you know what it more. is about competing that makes you nervous? <sighs> like, is it something that you've actually stopped to think about? Like, is it the, the I know you've talked about the fact that you you don't want to not perform to the best I of your ability, like. It? It's just that. It's that and getting hurt. So they're the two things I get anx- anxious about. I get anxious about not fighting to my best ability mm. and getting an injury. It's going to put me out mm. for, a, for a long time. It's, it's, it's really just those two things that, that bother me. Um, but I, I, still get, I still do get really nervous every time, but I don't I hopefully, I don't hopefully freeze up anymore. Um, the, the last one where we fought Cleos, um, <laughs> so... Um, I wasn't actually that bad that day until just before the absolutes. So mm. I did my division fine. That, that all went fine. I was normal amount of nervous and got on with yeah. it. And it was after, it's normally just before the first match. Once I've had my first match, the second one is a whole lot better. It's okay. But that was fine. And then, so waiting for the absolutes, um, it, I just started getting, I felt them building up and building up and building up. And it was, um, it got to the point where I had to go outside to try and get some air because I couldn't breathe. Mm. And then I realised when I got outside, it wasn't the air. I still couldn't breathe. <laughs> I was almost having a panic attack. Um, so I had to I had to message Paul and I was like, um, okay, I'm kind of I'm losing it a little bit here. What what do I do? I'm mm. I'm starting to starting to have like an anxiety attack. What I don't know I don't know why it's happening. I've already fought. Um, what what like what can I do? And you know, gave some like breathing exercises and like mm. things like mental exercises to do to calm myself down and it it helped a little bit but for some reason my, my levels were extremely high so I came back in um feeling maybe slightly better but still yeah really really nervous and then it was like all right you're fighting Chloe and I'm like for fuck's sake <laughs> why why can't I fight like somebody that I, I'm not terrified of kicking my ass because I, I won that first fight by the friggin' skin of my teeth it was like it was like stalling stalling in lockdown one advantage and that was it I'm like for fuck's sake this is exactly what I need so anyway so I th- but then again I think that helped a little bit because then I was like I went into that fight like oh I'm probably not going to win but I'll do my best and I, I think I perform best like that when yeah. I take the pressure of winning off and it's like well I'm not going to win so I'll just fight to the best of my ability that mm. seems to be what works for me and then it was fine. That's exactly what happened. I tried my best, you know. Didn't quite, didn't quite get there, but yeah, I'm happy but, with it. Yeah. I think we had a good fight. So, so it did. I, I, I left that really happy. Mm. 
See, that was the most intense fight I've ever had. Like, literally. Because, um, like, you say that you were... Um, you're like, oh, no, I only won by an advantage last time I did this, this, and this. I only won by two points. And I was only able to get those two points because, um, like, I'd been... I'd been drilling that single leg takedown, like, hard. I loved it. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Stuart, my uh, main instructor, he showed us it in the class, and it was very reminiscent of a technique that uh, Mauricio showed me as well. Yeah. And, like, so I, I made, like, a little hybrid of both of them. And, like, I caught it a lot in that competition. Yeah. And um, I was really happy with that, but, like... I got the two points from taking you down the first time, but then you got wise to it. And <laughs> I was like, nuts. Because we, we were stood up, like, uh, we were stood up twice, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, taking you to the ground was so difficult. And then, like, getting caught in your Delaheva, and you're just like, oh, what do I have to do to get past these legs? And then, like, you, you almost baron-bullied me and, like, got onto my back. Fucking I was, like, almost. I was like, oh. And then, like, almost is not good enough. In that moment, I heard Stuart calling from, like, the sideline. She's like, stand up. She won't get the points if you stand up. And I was like, oh, get to my feet really quickly. But, um, yeah, that yeah. was a great fight. I, looking back, I enjoyed it. What, not so much fun at the time, but, it, yeah, it was good. It was a good fight. I burned after that. I, I have no idea how I had two more fights. <laughs> Cause yeah, I was wrecked for, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the most intense, like, fight I've ever had. Like, I, I made it to the final of that absolute, and I got to fight uh, Caroline, who is, like... Literally, she's a beast, yeah. She's one of my favourite people to fight against because... Um, how do I describe it? I love being thrown. I think like the feeling of it is hilarious to you me. Absolute weirdo. I know, I know. Like we do hip throws and stuff, and like um, shoot. it just feels like I'm flying, and then I'll hit the ground. I'll be like, <laughs> I literally just go, <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> and, then, and then we go into the fight, and it's fine. But um, like no, she is. She's one hundred percent pure savage. Yeah, and. Uh, like she's gonna, she's gonna do big things. Yeah. I know that much. But you like, fought her in um, your category that day as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the fight in my category was a lot better because I wasn't knackered. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, she's um, she's like an Olympic level uh, second degree black yeah. belt in judo. Yeah. And um, like I, I, I have no issues with losing to her. Like she was definitely the better fighter on the day. And um, like I always, like, especially with fighting her, like. There, there's a difference I find uh, when you have like high-level judo players in jiu-jitsu. Like, for for me, when I fight um, Caroline, she's one of the one of the few who you don't think they're using judo at all. Like, she literally can just flick a switch in her mind. It's pure jiu-jitsu, and it's brilliant. Yeah. Like, Obviously, she has, like, a solid um, understanding of, like, weight and pressure and everything, like, because that comes with, like, the judo knowledge. But the whole time she fights, you don't think that you're fighting someone who's, like, a second uh, damn black belt in judo. You, like, she's literally destroying you with her jiu-jitsu. Yeah. She's that good. And, uh, 
it's infuriating, but it's brilliant at the same time. Like, I, I, I am very fortunate in that I get to train with some of the, the most amazing people. It's also why I'm so infuriating at the same time. <laughs> to some people, at least. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I've lost more technique than I've gained in the past six months, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you believe, though. You don't know. I think if you're training regularly, you're going to be improving. Yeah, but I don't believe It's that. hard to see. It's hard to see. <laughs> it is. It is. Plateaus suck balls, but, you know. Shit happens. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Considering how, like, your depression and anxiety affect you, like, both physically and mentally, how did, how did you start competing? And, like, obviously, where you have these really bad triggers uh, with your anxiety, like, not just before you compete, but also, like, every day <laughs> in, well like in between fights and everything as well like what yeah. made you go oh well, I yeah, think I'll go I've and make this, this worse You're like, yeah I've done this now now I have to do it all the time yeah like, what made you continue to compete after you'd already gone through all of that I think um what it was is I had absolutely nothing in my life I had nothing literally nothing mm. um and that's not healthy for any human no. So I uh, tried to create things um, and that was this This is sort of became my first... Obviously, by the time I started competing six months in, mm. so about, by that time I'd built up a lot of confidence compared to what I had before I started yeah. and I'd started sticking up for myself a bit more and, you know, not taking as much shit, um, which was infinitely harder than it sounds. I mean, I'm really simplifying it. But um, so it was like certain things that I want now, I'm going to push to get them, you know. Um, so with the competing, it was a sense of, I have nothing in my life, so I need, I need things to work towards, I need goals. Um, so I I just created them. So it was right, well, competition, that's a goal. And this is the reason that I got into the weight cutting as well, which was a huge mistake, but Mm -hmm. it was, it was another thing that gave me a sense of control. It's right, right, I'm going to be in this category, I'm going to fight in this tournament, they're my goals, and all I had to do was reach them. Mm. So the dieting, the comp prep, um, I'd be, it'd be a case of I'd do like a long-term weight cut where I'd, I'd cut gradually, and then I'd, because I was cutting so much, I'd mm. also have like two kilos to lose right up until the day before, so then it'd be a case of um, dehydration, so it'd be yeah. hot baths, saunas, exercising in fucking so sweatsuits. How much were you losing between? I was cutting like six kilos, um, and then I remember one tournament. I put that six kilos back on in the same day. After I fought, <laughs> went away. A lot of it was like dehydration, so I'd drink mm. obviously a lot of water. Eat. Well, actually, saying that, having seen you eat, I can <laughs> I can understand that as well. <laughs> You've not seen anything. That was me, like on my best behaviour. Um, I, li- I, I didn't literally use my put, hand or anything. <laughs> put like six kilos back on the same day, so it was horribly unhealthy. But it was that control that I needed that I didn't have in any other area of my life. So mm. it was the the goals and everything that I needed to keep myself sane. Um, so that's all it was. So any time I completed one tournament, I'd straight away sign up for the next one, start my weight cut again, and I always had something to work towards. I always had mm. something to achieve. I always had a reason to wake up and 
and keep, keep moving forward. keep moving and not just give up and kill myself yeah it, so it was it was something that just it just gave me gave me something whereas before without that I, I felt like I had nothing yeah and I think that's why it got out of hand because every time it was like a fix every time I did one tournament I needed the next fix I needed the next goal mm. to to keep moving forward towards um and then it was only after that year had passed that obviously another year's passed and I've yeah. I've started to I've started to implement other things that's that's helped I didn't need that as much so I've managed to wean yourself off yeah it. yeah yeah I guess it wasn't the most healthy reasons to compete no. but it helped a lot at the time yeah it, it did it did its job really so it, it's easy to understand that like the the benefit of going through all of those competitions at the time and like the weight cut and yeah. the the end goal like the goal was always more precious than anything you felt in between yeah so definitely. it's understandable that your anxiety wouldn't get the better of you after a competition yeah like you just forget about it and go yep done the competition next yeah one. yeah so I, I suppose that makes sense definitely definitely outweighed the negatives mm because I, I'm very fortunate in that, um, for me, I've already, like, when I started competing, I'd already had my, um, my battles with, uh, like, my social anxiety. So, for me, when I go to competition, I, I'm very, um, mindful of the fact of how I treat the competition. So, I'm able to go to it and just, as soon as I step on the mat... It's like being in a competition class or being back in sparring in my thing. Like, I I don't have any real triggers. Like, obviously, I still get nervous, but I I don't feel nervous on the day. I, I feel nervous when my name's called and I'm stood waiting yeah. to go onto the mat. And But then as soon as I step on, everything's fine. And it's one of the reasons that I was able to be as successful in competing um, last year, in my opinion, because I didn't have those nerves. And, like, it was very apparent that some of my opponents did. So, yeah. like, I was able to use that to my advantage. And, like, if they they were worried about um, what their um, coach was saying or other people watching and, like, the environment yeah. itself... And like for me, none of that matters. Like I, I, used, I mentioned in Dan's podcast. Like I, I go to competitions by myself a lot of the time, and um, it's very rare for me to have someone in my corner. But then, when I do have them in my corner, like they're kind of zoned out a little bit. And it's only when I stop and pause in the middle of fights that I'll hear them shouting something. I go, "Oh yeah, cheers, mate." <laughs> but other than that, I'm, I just work my game and like. It's really funny um, going back and listening to or watching like my fights because my coach films all of the fights and stuff and watching the stuff there because you hear him shouting things over to me and then like you'll get the odd comment of like, all that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it always tickles me when he does like, just, uh, oh, what was it? It was one of the Cleos ones where he's like, pass the legs, pass the legs. Like, or take our legs and then pass the legs. <laughs> and then... Um, like I, I didn't, I didn't pass the legs because he wanted me to go into side control or go into Kesagatami. But instead, like I pulled the legs back and then went sat straight into mount. And he was like, "Yeah, all that," <laughs> and it was amazing. It just made me laugh. 
Um, but yeah, so like anxiety doesn't really play a big part in like uh, the competition aspect of it for me. Um, but like outside of jujitsu, like the social aspect of jujitsu, that's where like my anxiety comes from, especially with like the um, the comments and stuff that I see around like not just me as an individual but as like trans individuals in general a lot of people get the wrong end of the stick when uh, it comes to um, trans people in sports so um, yeah I get I get nervous when I see um, like reddit threads or I see like because um, I don't just follow jiu-jitsu stuff like, I follow some wrestling things and stuff like that so there's um there's a competitor in the states at the moment called Mac Beggs who is a trans guy and he wants to compete with other guys in his class and stuff but because of like the laws in Texas he has to fight under the sex categorization on his birth certificate yeah and the amount of furore that he gets because he's going to competitions and beating women and then it's like it's stupid because it's not his fault he just wants to fight he'll fight he wants to fight in the men's divisions he wants to um like progress as a male in that sport but it's the the laws around it that are preventing him from doing it but every time it comes up as a subject everyone always says this is a trans woman who like it's just a guy fighting women yeah. because they say that they're a woman and it's like no you haven't read like that's the opposite. Yeah. yeah, it's completely the opposite. Yeah. Like, well, if he's if he's taking testosterone and doing this, this, and this, he's doing everything he can to meet the medical requirements of his condition. It's not his fault that the state won't allow him to fight men. Yeah, and I don't see why he should put his um, his goals on hold. Yeah, the only, the only alternative then is to just not, not compete. compete. And it's like yeah that's not an option for some people if he wants to be uh if he wants to wrestle and that's what his goals are why would he not compete like it, it doesn't make sense to me and like like bigotry in general is just annoying <laughs> i think <laughs> it's with that it's more where it's being directed so yeah rather than directing it the person that's doing the only thing they're allowed to do yeah um it should be sort of well the rules need looking at then don't they yeah so that they can compete in the males category but the issue is a lot of the legislation comes in around trans women because people just feel that it's men trying to invade women's spaces when that's never been what it's about and like there was um are you on twitter yeah, but I don't really use it. Yeah, like me neither. But there was a big thing that happened last week called Man Friday, where um, like there's a, a bill trying to be passed uh, like in the UK at the moment about gender recognition. And the act is to have a form of self-declaration where a person can literally just send uh, a statutory declaration to... Um, who is it? like one of the governing bodies and have the gender on their birth certificate updated. That's all the legislation is for. It's not so someone can on a daily basis go, I'm a woman today, I'm a man today, I'm a yeah. woman today. And, but that's how it's being treated. So a group of 
uh, women last Friday went to like Marks and Spencers or any other like a, a Primark and a whole load of clothing companies that have actively spoken in favour of trans rights and went I'm a man I want to go into the men's changing room and they they physically allowed it and it was fine and then then they were like yeah today we're going into the men's world because we identify as men today and it's fine this is what this is what you want the law to allow and it's like no technically like so currently in the UK there are no laws around who can use what restrooms at all so the fact that they felt that this was something that was governed by the law is idiocy in general like you can use whatever facilities you want it's more of a social contract than it is law Um, like Trans people have existed for as long as people have been around, pretty much. And I don't need to ask permission to use the women's facilities because it's a restroom and I need to go to the toilet. That's it. Like, it's the same as, like, a man can go into the women's facilities if they wanted to because there's nothing stopping them. Like, um... So them doing that was just ridiculous. And then there was another thing where this woman was like, this is what would happen if uh, men were allowed in the women's change room. And like these women went into the women's change room and just started taking photos over all of the booze and under the booze. And then I was like, well, one, that's illegal, definitely. <laughs> you can't go in and make these safe spaces unsafe. So a few people uh, took that tweet and forwarded it to the Metropolitan Police <laughs> who now have to deal with that person for breaking the law on that uh, thing. It's like, why are you being fucking idiots? You can't demonstrate that the law's stupid by breaking the law. Like, you're a fool. Um, yeah, I've gone off on a tangent, but yeah, that was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> People are fucking stupid about laws. But um, what was I talking about? You were saying that that's the sort of root of the anxiety. Yeah, stuff. so... For me, that's where my anxiety comes from. When people start talking about uh, trans people in general, like, one, I don't go into reading the article straight away. I'll always, like you say, with, when people message you, I'll always, like, I'll save the location of the post and I'll, like, build myself up to reading yeah. through it. And, yeah. like, I, I, because I'm a fucking idiot, I will go through and read all the comments and see what people are saying and stuff especially on the underground because it's nice for me to get um, an idea of where the mindset here in the UK is Yeah. but then at the same time it's also really harrowing when you get people with really really far right views on the subject Yeah. But um, as well though I think that the people that comment on Generally, the people that comment on stuff in the underground, um, it's it's the same small percentage of people all the yeah. time, and the majority don't even take part. So it's not really an accurate representation no, of the community. In it's general. definitely not. Like it's the more vocal small percentage. So last year there were two big threads about it. Yeah. Like um, the first one was when it was raised by someone because of a, re- a thread on Reddit, and uh, that's what sparked my podcast with Dan. Um, that was a lot harsher than when uh, Junior Wilson brought the subject back up uh, August or September because people were more informed 
then than they were before. So I found that a lot of people's opinions and stuff changed. And now when these subjects are brought up, like you do have kind of like an 80-20 split of people who are like okay with it and people who aren't. And like it is normally just guys who don't understand like flexing their misguided opinion I'm gonna say it's just like men shouldn't fight women they're not what are you talking about oh you've got all of these genetic advantages I really don't really don't um oh muscle built up like as a male is gonna like remain there forever it really doesn't it so doesn't (laughs) like you can't go through something like that literally changes your um like the way your body processes uh muscle and uh what's it called like the oh i used to be really good at talking about strand stuff and now my mind just gone here's that great idea again and gone everything's gone but yeah basically how my body processes everything in it now like I don't have any testosterone like I had my bloods taken uh three weeks ago they came back like last week and oh my testosterone levels at 1.1 I'm like ah oh, shit son that's that's massive isn't it <laughs> like, it's like I've got some testosterone in me oh no <laughs> and then um but like people moaned that in the podcast that I did with Dan, I did note that the um, 10 nanomoles of testosterone was very high. And um, I actually found out more about it. It's more like, so 10 nanomoles was actually used because it was the lowest level for males. And it was also, uh, they use it as the high level for females because of a condition called um, hyperandrogenism. No. Oh. I can't remember, but there was a sprinter in the 2016 or 2012 Olympics who had a very high level of testosterone because she suffered from a condition called hyperandrogenism or something along those lines. And her argument was, why should she not be allowed to compete because her body is afflicted with a condition? And she's right. Like, um, it's. I think she had like... <sighs> like 12 or 14 which is like five times the amount of testosterone that uh like a normal female uh, has in their body so like all of the the levels are measured in the same way and it's just they're all lumped together i i still don't believe that 10 should be the right amount for trans people especially when like their base levels are expected to be between one and well between zero and two but um that's what the IOC dictate and that's what like every trans person I know lives between especially after surgery where they don't produce their own testosterone apart from the adrenal gland and it's just uh, yeah I'm not looking forward to that because that's going to be another like what three weeks of depression where my body tries to make testosterone again like oh yeah brilliant can't wait literally can't wait Right, I'm going to stop talking about trans stuff now. <laughs> That's my anxiety. That's where my anxiety get, comes I from. I get jealous of him. Oh, I get jealous of people with testosterone. It's not fucking fair. It's like <laughs> things, things are easy to lift. 
it's like you'll see a guy just pick something up and then they'll be the same size as you and you'll go and pick up. It's like, how, did, how, how the do fuck you do? did you do? <laughs> yeah. I want to know how easy that feels for you and I never will. It pisses me <laughs> off. It pisses me off that everything that, that I do that's the same as you is just slightly harder for me. <laughs> Imagine having it and then having it taken away. I can't. I, I, I can't because I'm jealous as it is. It's like when I find guys that are my same exact size so like my same weight mm. and build not even guys that go to the gym and like um it's not like a muscle difference like they, they don't they yeah. don't lift weight so like the same build as me the same weight they're like twice as fucking strong i'm like and that's fast. not fair yeah it's like i want some of that shit <laughs> i want some of that shit but i don't want all the body hair <laughs> no <laughs> imagine life is is just easier when when you just have that extra bit of it's like it's like the superheroes yeah comparatively it's just not fair and they don't appreciate it because obviously they've always had it yeah so they don't know what it's like to be weak as fuck <laughs> like, so it might like, be a contributing factor when they're trying to rip your arm off and they don't realise that you can't physically defend <laughs> it with strength because you don't, you don't have yeah. it they're like how am I able to bend this back so quickly like mate she don't. must not be trying to defend it fuck you I'm using <laughs> literally everything that I've got right now <laughs> and it's not good enough yeah that's frustrating so I can't I can't even imagine what it's like to know what that's like and then not have it yeah it's because I remember you saying something once before about lifting like shopping bags or something it's like just one day it was like oh shit this is a whole lot harder than it used to be yeah because <laughs> like um yeah, th- that was in Dan's podcast where I was like, because um, I didn't lift anything for a long, long time. Um, like I'd I'd bring the shopping in and stuff, but it'd be like a couple of bags at a time because I, like, I was very conscious of the fact that I do have like a broad stature, and like, yeah, it kind of goes with my height, but at the same time, it's very, very broad, and I don't want the added stress of people just seeing my shoulders and going, "Hello, sir." So. Um, I didn't want muscle mass. I didn't want anything. I like there was a part of me that was like, just I want to start again. So when um, I started taking my hormone treatments and stuff, I just refused to do anything that would be um, build muscle. Yeah, I I cycled a lot because I wanted to um, burn fat, but that was very difficult because the um, uh, my antiandrogen at the time was a, a pill called spironolactone, which is uh, it's not it's not a nice pill. Um, so because it's a pill, it's processed heavily in your liver and kidneys. So um, it's really hard on them. It meant I had to drink a lot, but it's also a diuretic. So I needed to go to the toilet all the time, and um, it like stops production of testosterone almost as soon as you start it's as soon as it starts to hit your bloodstream so me wanting to cycle for like an hour or so just became less and less of a reality because that's one way I was able to kind of see differences I got tired a lot quicker when I would cycle because I used to be able to cycle for about an hour an hour and a half if I really wanted to um because I've cycled a lot like as a child I used to cycle to school and it was all fine but now like I'm struggling after about 15-20 minutes 
like my legs are quite possibly the strongest thing about me and um like they burn out so quick it's unbelievable <laughs> it's not fair no. it's like the six million dollar man but in reverse yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair at all yeah that's that's not helping with my jealousy <laughs> no no but yeah i don't know like don't get me wrong i am still in like like it's not like I'm outside of the normal female ranges for things like I'm in the upper third of like strength for women and like uh, probably muscle and stuff but at the same time it's not outside of what's um, why do I want to say applicable um, or acceptable that's not what I want to say at all it's a word that begins with an A and ends in all. <laughs> um, available to to women. There we go. Yeah, I forgot to mention before we started. I forget English <laughs> in general. Um, <laughs> English. English. <laughs> Such English. I had a question that I was going to ask you, but then I didn't. So, mm, 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 mm. yeah, we'll go with this one. What advice would you give to someone uh, for managing their anxiety and depression alongside training and for life in general? Um, just the things we've already covered, really. So, find your happiness. Um, find your happiness sounds a bit vague vague Mm. it's more of um have a really honest conversation with yourself brutally honest Mm. um to address where it's stemming from because i do believe with with a lot of people it will be there will be some kind of issue that's that's causing it all um and it's not easy to find but no, I think you should but it's try. Worth it because it, it, it is worth it. Yeah, if you can if you can figure out what it is, then it gives you an idea of what you need to do because it, it's not going to be the same for everybody. Mm. Agreed. And then taking action because there's no point knowing what you need to do and then not doing anything to work towards it. And yeah. at the same time, you've got to find the right balance because you can make the mistake of overshooting and that makes you feel worse because then you're not achieving what you think you should be. Mm. Then you feel even more shit about yourself, so make it... Or be, take too much on too soon because yeah, then you burn out yeah, quicker and then you just steps. stop. Yeah, be realistic about it. Mm. Do, do, the, do the bare minimum, but do something that's, yeah. that's going to work towards getting you where you need to be. Um, because small I've been guilty of that as well. Yeah. yeah, Don't expect too much of yourself and be kind to yourself because... Because people like us, we tend to be very negative Yeah. about ourselves and our worth. But have a sense of humour about it as well. <laughs> yeah, but it's more like, I want to die. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not that healthy. Life is meaningless. <laughs> yeah, just try, try and catch yourself when you're getting, when you're getting yeah. there. Like, my, my advice is always talk to someone. Like especially when it comes to depression and stuff. Um, I I suffered a lot for a long time because I just kept all of my feelings inside and, like, I had... Um, like, my depression anxiety was increased exponentially when I thought about letting other people into my life, which was awful. 
and then uh, I started talking to people and it was fine and it was brilliant because I didn't have this additional worry to think about but um, like talking to people isn't the easiest thing especially when you're in the middle of a depressive episode so um, like I don't know like yeah for me it would be it's going to be uncomfortable but take that one uncomfortable step to tell someone that something's wrong and you don't know what to do yeah because like yeah that can be important sometimes it's just reaching out to maybe the one person that you have that you feel like you can because like there's like counseling and stuff that you can get through um like the your doctor and stuff but like the waiting list for that is, is like eight nine months i was told like i was told what three months and i think it's been six now and i still i'm still waiting so awesome um, i don't think that's that's a great option i think a lot of the time as well we can become really self-involved yeah as in we, we concentrate on ourselves so much and that that just perpetuates all the the negative feelings and the self-worth and to just take the take the attention off yourself sometimes mm. stop being so self-involved and and something that's helped me as well is to stop thinking about what all the things in my life that are shit how i haven't achieved anything yet in any area and i'm nowhere near where i want to be in any stage in in any <laughs> i'm just gonna stop right there because <laughs> that's not that's not where I, what i want to talk about but um and just instead i think about um little ways you can make other people around you's life better you know how yeah. how can you improve in each of us have got a small reach on the world like our own little worlds we only reach so far in different people's lives mm. so in our each of our worlds what can what small things can we do that just has a, a, an improved effect on the people yeah. that come into contact with us like, so that's I'll be the first person to say that like a lot of my happiness comes from the happiness of my friends and the people around me so I I try to do like little things yeah. that make other people happy it's, yeah it's just nice to see someone smile yeah because like, that, that I did that <laughs> that gives you with it's yeah improving people's other people's lives in in whatever small way you can I mean, I'm not saying yeah. go and go and save the world because we can't but you can be kind to people you can yeah. you can make somebody smile you can do whatever you can exactly it's all good all good stuff and it, it just helps to take the um, attention off yourself you know when you start thinking mm. negatively about yourself especially if you're thinking about others more yeah and trying to like make other people's lives better that way like, yeah. you're not going and i do think everything has a knock-on effect everything yeah. that you everything that you do and say has some kind of effect on you know like people use the law of attraction i think is a lot of bullshit for the most part where if you Mm. you know you think positively you'll get good i don't think it works like that but i think everything that you do whether it's yeah good or bad has a effect yeah and you need to take responsibility so i'm guilty of this myself Mm. um of certain things will go wrong in my life and for the most part it might not have been my fault but Mm. Instead of looking at all the ways it wasn't my fault, I need to find the small ways that it, that contributed towards it. Yeah. And address those. And that's what I'm trying to work on at the minute. Is instead of instead of um, instead of being like, oh, this is so bad, and why is this happening to me, and why is that happening, and why and why is everything going wrong all the time? Instead, think what small in what small ways am I contributing 
to those things. I might not yeah. be able, I might not be the main cause. There's mm. a lot of things that are outside our control for the most part. Um, but there's, I think if you look hard enough, there's always small little things that you're doing yeah. that are affecting it. Definitely. So that's something else. It's, and and it just, a lot of it just come back to just being honest. Just being honest and, mm. and aware. Rather than being illogical about it and just sitting there being, I'm just a piece of shit, I'm a shit person. That, that, that's, it's not logical. Yeah. You're getting nothing out of that. Yeah. There's a difference between that and actually looking at the things that you are doing. Yeah. We had this conversation earlier. Like, all of my thoughts are irrational. And the worst thing is I know they're irrational, but I can't do anything about them. <laughs> It's yeah. just yeah. insanity. It hurts my feelings yeah. <laughs> so much. Just switching the concentration. Just yeah. Change your, change your train of thought. Yeah, get off at the next station. <laughs> <laughs> change platform. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Little train metaphor there. <laughs> right. I don't think there are any more questions. Uh, is there anything else that you haven't said already that you would like to say in general on the subject of like depression and anxiety or jiu-jitsu in general and competition and all of the other wonderful and brilliant things that you do I don't know I'm not good at thinking on the spot (laughs) (laughs) then don't think just talk do that rambly thing that you said you do (laughs) Now I'm even more on the spot. <laughs> it's fine if you can't. We can leave it there. Yeah. Um, we have spoken for like two and a quarter hours. Yeah, I don't want you to miss, miss your open mic either. That's all right. I'll be a few minutes late. It's cool. Yeah, starts at three. Yeah, it's like an hour away. It's kind of... It's, it's fine. I'll just turn up halfway through. Like, what, you've done the warm-up? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to film myself on this. I do what I want. <laughs> um, okay, well, then that's it. Thank you very much for speaking to me. It's been really nice, and I apologise for talking as much as I did because I kind of hijacked the conversation a little bit. But, um, yeah, it was really good speaking to you about this. It's always nice to figure out what other people go through. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to be kinder to each other because I think we're a lot more similar than we think we are. We yeah. have a lot of the same experiences, mm. a lot of the same worries and anxiety. And well, off the amount of people that contact me about it um, is quite worrying and shocking. There's yeah. people that you, you you just wouldn't expect to be going through certain things. Well, yeah. So there's a lot more of it out there than people are aware of. Mm. People are very good at hiding it. Yeah. So I'm real good at hiding it. <laughs> Being oh. kinder to people will go a long way. <laughs> I am kind. We're all going through shit. It's true. Everyone has their demons. Yeah. Right. Well, well thanks for driving all this way. <laughs> oh, don't be silly. Like, I'd do a drop of a hat if I could. But yeah, thank you very much for speaking to me. It has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. Right. I'm going to... Go gonna... enjoy your role, Wayne. And that's it for this episode. Um, Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, I do have another podcast lined up and I think I've got one more after that. Um, After that, I don't know. I I kind of 
have an idea of how I want to steer the podcast. Um, like I like the format that we currently have uh, in that it's more of just a conversation. Like I, I, I like that it's not uh, too structured and the questions aren't all that forced. Um, so I hope you guys feel the same about it. But if not, please let me know and I'll see if I can make alterations to the format. Um, at the end of the day, it's you guys who are going to be listening. So I'd very much like to hear your feedback. Um, Maya fights out of Five Rings Grappling up in Sheffield. So if ever you're in the neighbourhood, please drop by and have your limbs removed from their sockets by (laughs) the wonderful Maya. Um, I'd like to thank her again for sitting down and talking to me. I know we talked about some difficult subjects um, and it was... Yeah, it it's always really nice to talk to her. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Until next time, uh, thanks again for listening and like, subscribe and comment and all of that nonsense. And uh, yeah, I'll hopefully have another one out in the next four to five weeks. Sound check. Apple crumble and rum. Um, I could do your intro for you. Hello, and welcome to Fight Like a Girl. Hello.